It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. We couldn't even get to training camp before the first injury of the Orlando Magic season, and it's a big one. We'll talk about what the Magic lose in losing Gary Harris. We'll rehash some of our discussion about Jalen Suggs at normal speed this time, and hopefully with video. And Franz Wagner's killing it in in Eurobasket prep. It's time for a Monday edition of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is August 29th, 2022. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked on Magic, news has come down and has been confirmed. Gary Harris will be out with a torn meniscus in his left knee. What that means for the Orlando Magic and what the team loses in this first major injury of the 2023 season. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about Jalen Suggs and where he needs to step up, especially now with this news, and talk a little bit about Franz Wagner in Eurobasket. But before we get to any of that, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. No matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, no matter when, we truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. And on that note, I want to sit here and apologize for especially the last two episodes of Locked On Magic. Um, I've been having some technical issues with my computer. Um, I recently actually just upgraded my uh, my operating system. It messed with all my settings. You can probably tell the window on my uh, computer is uh, on the on the YouTube is a little bit different. Um, I, I was having some major, 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 major encoding issues uh, in our episode on I believe it was Wednesday. Um, the video just frankly just froze and skipped and jumped and jumped. And while the audio was completely fine. 
um, it, it, it was not acceptable video, and, and, I, and I apologize for that. Um, Friday's episode was a complete disaster, um, and so if you were able to get through Friday's episode, uh, I, I appreciate you getting all the way through it. I, I don't blame you if you turned it off in disgust, and uh, you know I have a lot to make up for that. I'm going to try and make up for it, at least content-wise here uh, on this show, but Friday's episode was a complete disaster. I, I will explain what, what happened. Um, the, the program that I use to record my podcast, my, my podcast, my video podcast, at least, um, was having encoding issues. And if you watched it back and listened to it, essentially it, it could not process, it, it could not process, um, the video fast enough. It could not process the audio fast enough. And so essentially it just sped up the audio while the video struggled to keep up. Um, it was a disaster. And unfortunately my audio backup also failed, um, and so I didn't have a clean audio backup. I, I always endeavor to at least have a clean audio backup because at the, at the end of the day, we're a podcast first and foremost. Um, and while YouTube has been great for, for listener growth and, and all of that, um, I, I want to deliver a, a, a strong product. Um, and I made the decision to go ahead and, and go through with the podcast. I put a note at the end of my audio podcast explaining what happened. I did, was not able to do that, obviously, with the video podcast. Um, with the video feed on on our YouTube channel, uh, but I, I wanted to take this moment to apologize for the low quality. You, you all, I I have nothing but respect for my for my audience and for my listeners. I decided to go through and publish the, the podcast because I still felt like you could get the gist of what I was saying despite the low low audio and video quality. And and to me, content is more important than form. I I don't care if the video works perfectly. If you can hear everything, if you can digest the information. That's what's most important. Seeing me talk is, sec- uh, to me, that's secondary. Um, you know, the way I consume podcasts is, is by podcast, but the audio quality was also be- well below par, uh, well, well below par, really on a, you know, really not acceptable, but it was a, thir- you know, I don't have the time to record, to re-record a 30 minute podcast. I still felt like you could digest the information. Uh, and so I went ahead and published it, um, you know, despite the potential for embarrassment on my part and, and, and all that. Um, I hope you were able to get some of that information. Like I said, we're going to rehash uh, some of the points that I made about Jalen Suggs and his need to step up as a shooter uh, this coming season, um, uh, especially in the wake of the news that came down on Saturday. So I wanted to start today's show by saying, A, um, I think I have fixed my encoding problems. I have changed some of the settings uh, on my recording device, um, I am going to take some other precautions as well to make sure that everything works properly and that I can deliver you a consistently good product, especially as we get closer and closer to the season, um, especially with my desire to bring in guests and to and to have more interaction. Um, I think people like that. Um, I want to make sure I deliver a higher quality product than than I was deli- than I delivered these last few days. Um, Thank you to everyone who, who left a comment uh, on the YouTube page complaining about how bad the quality was. I tried to respond and say, I know it was bad. I am working on a fix. I still felt uh, it was good enough to get the content out, uh, get the information out, if not the, 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 the form. Um, thanks to everyone who left, a, who left a comment on there letting me know, um, making sure everything was okay. Thanks to everyone who reached out to me on other social media saying, hey, I, 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 did you know something was wrong with the podcast? 
please be my quality control on that too. I, I do try and listen back. I'm not able to listen back to everything. I don't have time to record a 30-minute podcast and then listen all the way back through it. I do do quality checks here and there, um, here and there, here and there. Uh, but um, I just want I just want to thank everyone for. Uh, holding me accountable, you know, I, I think we all want a, a high quality product. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to work. I, I'm not a technical wizard on this stuff. Um, you know, if, if you are and you want to help a little bit, feel free to reach, feel free to reach out. You can email me at omagicdaily at gmail.com. I'm happy to take some suggestions. I, I have some parameters and some guardrails that I got to work through, work under, work in between as well um, with how much time I have to devote to the podcast as well as the blog and everything else. Um, but again, my philosophy, you know, maybe this is the wrong philosophy to share, but my philosophy is the content is most important. I want to give you information. If I'm frozen, I'm not going to lose a person. You know, I want to, I want you to see me and, and see how animated I get. That's, that's part of what YouTube is. Um, but I, I want to make sure that you get high quality content. Um, I want the, the quality of the content to be good, and I want the delivery of that content to be good too. Um, I, I'm always going to put the, put the put the emphasis on giving good content and and, and starting there. So uh, again, I, I want to apologize if this is your first time listening and you have no clue what what I'm talking about. I'm about to start talking about the Orlando Magic here in just a moment. But uh, for longtime listeners, for those who are who are regular listeners, you know, I promise. You know, a, a solid podcast. I've not delivered that the last few days. Um, it's been it, there's there's been some issues. I've been trying to work through them. I've been trying to be better, uh, and and I'm going to take some extra steps to make sure that it is better moving forward. That take lo- that took longer than I wanted it to take. We're eight minutes in, but we got to get to the big news of the weekend. Um, you know, so without further ado, without further delay, the Orlando Magic have their first injury of the season. Um, it is something that the Orlando Magic are. Certainly, very familiar with over the last two years, where uh, with with how many injuries they have dealt with, um, they've been the most injured team. They've lost the most games due to injury of any team in the last in each of the last two seasons. Now, a lot of that is Jonathan Isaac missing the entire season. All that is Markel Fultz missing the bulk of both seasons. But it, it's hard to disagree that Orlando has not been dealt a has been dealt a really bad hand when it comes to injuries. They're they're their luck, their injury luck has just been awful. And unfortunately, they got some bad news on Saturday. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN was the first to report. It was later confirmed by Luke Hedrick of Spectrum Sports 360, as well as by Kobe Price of the Orlando Sentinel. Gary Harris has a torn meniscus in his left knee. It is not clear how it happened. Um, again, it's the injuries can be kind of random, uh, it could have happened during a pickup game. Could have happened during his normal workout routine. Could have been. Could have happened just walking around at home. Stuff happens. Um, it's not important the how. It's important the what comes next. And the Orlando Magic, of course, are putting no timetable on his return. He will be evaluated further. That is all that was reported and all that was said about it. And so here we are. We are sitting and waiting to learn more. Meniscus tears can be tricky. Um, there are. Definitely different severities and different levels to it. Uh, and so it would be foolish to try and predict when Gary Harris is going to be back. Uh, I remember Jameer Nelson tore his meniscus during the 2010 season. He was back in a month. In four to, it was four to six weeks. Um, and if it is a certain type of tear, if it does not require surgery, 
It could very well be four to six weeks. It could very well be that Gary Harris is able to rejoin the team at some point during the preseason and be back in action. It could also be an injury that takes the entire season. Again, it always depends on the, on the type of tear. It depends on the treatment, whether they go surgery, whether they go rehab. It depends on how quickly his body recovers. It's a lot of factors that go into whether Gary Harris is going to be able to play and how quickly he is going to be able to play. To some, this is probably not the biggest deal. Um, it, it's not like it's Jalen Suggs, who's recovered from an ankle injury. He is apparently fully cleared and, and, and playing again. It is not a setback for Jonathan Isaac. It is not, you know, Chet Holmgren suffering a Liz Frank injury, a Liz Frank fracture. This is, Gary Harris is as good as he is and as important as he is, is not a core player. You know, it, he is not someone that the future of the franchise is pinned on. But this is still a real, a really disappointing because of all the work Gary Harris has put in to get healthy and to get back into the swing of things. But this is disappointing because of everything that Gary Harris could potentially provide this Orlando Magic team. At the end of the day, Gary Harris is just a glue player. He's someone that really helps the puzzle pieces fit and connect. When we looked at this team starting lineup, you know, the the big debate that we were going to have throughout training camp was the same kind of debate that we actually had last year as well. Who's going to start at the two? Do you start the young Jalen Suggs or do you go with the steady hand in Gary Harris? If you would ask me before this injury, honestly, as much as I like Jalen Suggs, and this is not a knock on Jalen Suggs, as much as I like Jalen Suggs, I would go with Gary Harris. And it's because of that stability, because of his ability to shoot the three, because uh, how much you can trust him defensively. He's not going to get in anyone's way, but he's still going to do his job and do it really, really effectively. And this team needs more floor spacers. They need more guys who are going to open the floor up for the other players on this team. It's something the Magic have precious little of. Gary Harris and his skill set fit exactly what this Magic team needs just to function at a base level. It's not that Gary Harris is going to go out and average more points per game than he did last year. He's at, what, 11, 12 points per game last year? It's not like he's going to suddenly jump to 15, 18 points per game and be a star player. That's not what the Magic are asking of him. All the Magic need him to do is be a solid player. To be someone that they can trust and rely on to execute, to, 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 to make shots, and, and to just be where they can trust him to be, to calm the team down and get everyone on the right spot, to be a coach on the floor, to be, to be someone who is guiding the team. More than anything, this is a loss because the Magic lose that presence. This is a team that is devoid of veterans. They do not have a lot of older players. And while that leads to excitement in the future, that also leads to inconsistency in the present. And especially during a training camp, you know, again, where, yeah, everyone kind of knows what's going on, especially during a training camp, getting those little tips, getting those little uh, pinpoints, getting that, getting someone on the floor that you trust that is in the fight with you. A coach can say something, but when Gary Harris says something, it probably means a little bit more to these guys, and these guys do like Gary Harris. That's where the biggest loss for this team is. Um, if the Magic are going to take a, a bigger leap than people think, it's going to be because, yes, Paolo Bancaro is that dude. It's going to be because Franz Wagner took a step, or Wendell Carter took a step, or Jalen Suggs took a huge step, even if Gary Harris is playing in front of him. 
but it was also going to be because of the consistency that they have throughout the roster. And honestly, there are are few players who could have been as consistent as Gary Harris and could have helped this team reach that level like Gary Harris. Now, it's not like Gary Harris is dead and gone. He, He might be on the sideline now. He might be separated from the team as he rehabs. He won't be on the floor. He'll still be around. And I think that presence is worth the price the Magic are paying. Of course, slow injury recovery, his contract's non-guaranteed next year. That could change a lot of things about him and about his presence with this team. But this is a big loss. And I think, you know, again, the Magic are certainly capable of overcoming it. They've got some really interesting young players. And yeah, this is going to give opportunity to guys like R.J. Hampton and Caleb Houston, and, and maybe even Cole Anthony, and certainly Jalen Suggs as a potential starter, to kind of take that next step. But this is a big loss. And hopefully this is not as serious as it sounds today. Because Gary Harris has been through a lot of injuries and seemed to have finally come through the end of it and found himself again last year. Unfortunately, that will not be the case to start the season at least. And we'll find out just how long he has to sit out. Undoubtedly, this opens up opportunity, though, and for no player is this a bigger opportunity than Jalen Suggs. And so we're going to re- rehash and discuss again why Jalen Suggs shooting is the most important thing for him to recover. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, are you one of those people who think it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, Right. Wrong. The truth is, when you're high, your reaction time slow way down. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. So stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Remember, in today's day and age, it is so easy to find a designated driver, to find a sober driver, to find a clean driver. Take care of yourself and more importantly, take care of others. If you do decide to use marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel again. If you feel different, you drive different, drive high, drive high get A-D-U-I. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So as I noted, yeah, as I noted earlier, um, a lot of my conversation about Jalen Suggs uh, in Friday's episode of Locked On Magic, about half of it was fine, and then my encoding issues caught up with me, and, and everything got completely garbled. Um, you know, again, I felt like you could still understand most of the content. It skipped around a little bit. Um, that's when you know the first half of the episode sounded good. Second half of the episode. Really, 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 really rough. And so 
I want to rewind and, and go back and talk about Jalen Suggs, especially now that we have this news about Gary Harris. Um, Jalen Suggs is perhaps the presumptive starting shooting guard again, just like it was on opening night last year when Gary Harris was slated to start at shooting guard and he got scratched with, with a late injury. Jalen Suggs took that starting role and never really let go of it. Look, Suggs' rookie year last year was not what anyone imagined. Um, there's, there's, there's no getting around that. There's no um, denying that. He scored only 11.8 points per game, shot 36.1% from the floor, and an icy 21.4% from beyond the arc. You talk to the Orlando Magic, you listen to what they had to say, and I'll largely agree with this. They would say by their metrics, Jalen Suggs was not, was not just an elite defender for a rookie, he was an elite defender in the league. I'm not ready to say he was an elite defender league-wide, but yes, for a rookie, he was an incredibly strong defender, and that is an area where you do expect him to get better. He was incredibly tough. He was willing to mix things up. He played some tremendous defense, and personally, I am really excited to see him in some lineups with Jonathan Isaac just to see what teams try to do with the two of them. He, you know, honestly... And I would be honest with this. Uh, after that rookie season, I probably am willing to come off my he's a future all-star uh, predictions that we had on draft night. But I'm willing to say, like, look, if he becomes Marcus Smart, that's a pretty good career. That's a pretty good player. Now, again, fifth overall pick, that that part doesn't interest me as much. Uh, but Marcus Smart is a starting point guard on Eastern Conference finalist, on an Eastern Conference championship team. Um, you need a grinder. You need a, you know, a dog like that, so to speak. Um, I don't know if that's coded language, so I don't like using that. But you know, it, everyone knows the memes. He's he's got that dog in him. Yada 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 yada. yada whatever. Um, Jalen Suggs, though, like Marcus Smart did, has to get that shot down. That's ultimately what's going to determine whether Jalen Suggs is a starter, a potential All Star or just a high-level reserve player who has some limitations. Look, at almost every layer, Sugg struggled to shoot. The only place where he was good offensively last year was off of cuts. 1.47 points per possession on cuts. Get him on the move, going to the basket, he will be fine. The other area where he was really good was his ability to get to the basket. He could get to the basket well, and he shot 58% at the rim. Not only that, he got to the line for 3.4 attempts per game, so he could draw some fouls. There is certainly a universe, and there's certainly a, a path where he is able to get to 20 points per game with the kind of shot diet he's looking for. You get to the line to, for four or five free throw attempts per game. That's four or five points right there. You get to the basket two or three more times per game. That's four to six more points. We're already at nine to ten points. He had a couple jumpers. That's 13. The difference then between Suggs being a 12-point-per-game score and a 15, 18, 19, up to 20 is that ability to hit from the outside. And, you know, look, this season, he just has to be better. He cannot be a 20% three-point shooter. He just has to be good enough to keep defenses honest, to keep defenses from crashing the paint and and essentially ignoring him at the three-point line. To keep defenses uh, from hanging back and daring him to shoot. 
that may happen anyway, but you get one or two possessions where a defender has to close out because he knows Suggs is going to hit that shot. That's a possession where you can pump fake, take two steps and hit a mid-range jumper, or get all the way to the basket and get another drive and kick to get a three-pointer. Suggs was actually a pretty solid passer, um, especially off drives last season. To me, Jalen Suggs developing his three-point shot is so key to everything else that he has to do. Um, you know, I, I, I remember I was sitting in, in the media room one time talking about what I wanted Jalen Suggs to work on this offseason. And one thing I said was just a pick and roll tree. Just work through the pick and roll tree. Just get, just understand those decision, those, those decisions, get them to where they, they, they happen slowly, and then he can use his speed and his strength to really press advantages when he finds them. None of that's going to happen if he can't hit an outside shot whether it's catch and shoot or off the dribble. Now, I think there are some good signs here. Um, the percentages are all bad. Not going to sugarcoat that. But Suggs was uh, in the in like the 85th percentile according to that basketball index, above 85, 85th percentile at least, in three-point shot creation. That's basketball index's metric that evaluates whether players are able to create three-point shots for themselves. So it essentially takes out all those catch and shoots. It's off the dribble threes. Suggs had to do that a lot last year. And so I think something that happened last year is the Magic just kind of let loose the reins and told Suggs to go. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you can do. And certainly within the Magic's offense, it's a very read-based system. It was a very, you know, I think I was a little critical of this of Jamal Mosley, but I get what he was trying to do. It was very much about allowing players to have ownership and create for themselves. There were fewer, fewer kind of sets and more, it's more about reads. Um, it's more about when this happens, you do this, rather than wait for this part of a play to develop. Wait for this action to develop. There were certainly some simple actions to get things going. But at the end of the day, the offense was more like a soccer offense, where it's, on the, it's the responsibility of the players to make plays and make reads and, and read each other and play off each other. Um, it, it, it's not a Prince. It was not a Princeton. Like a Prince, a true Princeton offense is has rules, but it's pretty structureless. Um, it, it's still pretty. There's still like kind of guardrails. This was very, very open, and, and I'd almost like to see Jamal Mosley put a few guardrails on Jalen Suggs and say, "Okay, we saw you did this last year. Stay in these lines and really focus on staying in these lines." And, and, and that's how you'll develop and grow. And, and and I think there is something to that. I think the Magic were probably a little loose offensively. I get, again, I get why. They're modernizing their offense. They're trying to empower players. They're trying to make them have responsibility and kind of teach them like, hey, you're responsible for each other. You're responsible for your teammates. You're responsible for this team's play. Um, there's something to that. To that. Now, again, we'll see how much that works in the playoffs. There's, you know, I, I think you need a mix of everything. So I, I don't want to get too deep into coaching philosophy on that, but that was my perception of the Magic. And I think I think Jalen Suggs was hurt. I, I think Cole Anthony was hurt a little bit by it. Um, a tremendous growth opportunity. He got better. Same thing with Jalen Suggs. I think he was hurt a little bit by it, but did get better with his decision-making and his understanding of where to go within the offense. All of this is irrelevant if Jalen Suggs can't shoot, though. Um, you can't put the ball in Jalen Suggs' hands if teams are just going to back off and pack the paint when he has it in his hands. You can't really have Jalen Suggs out there in starters minutes 
if teams are just essentially going to ignore him from beyond the arc. So if there's one thing that Jalen Suggs has to do this year, and certainly if he's going to be elevated in the starting lineup, it's got to happen. He's got to be able to make shots at a consistent level. I'm not talking about being a 35% three-point shooter. That part doesn't matter. He's just got to be consistent enough. Get to 32, 33% this year from 21%. That's a huge leap. That's a huge jump. Get to that level. And suddenly everything changes for him. Suddenly there are a few more driving lanes. Suddenly there are a few more points that he's able to score because he's able to hit from the outside more consistently. Do all that and life's going to get easier. And certainly having Paolo Bencaro to soak up some attention, Markel Foles to soak up some attention, certainly all that's going to help create some space too and, and put less of the creation responsibility on Suggs. But three-point shooting is essential in today's NBA, especially among guards. And that's why, before anything else, Suggs has to become a better shooter. There's just no getting around it. We're going to close today's show talking a little bit about the big win for Germany as Franz Wagner leads Germany to a, a, a just huge win before Eurobasket begins this week. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, yes, uh... We are going to be following Eurobasket. We're going to be following the uh, FIBA tournament, uh, the, this huge FIBA tournament. Uh, we're obviously watching Franz Wagner. He is playing extraordinarily well. Um, and Sunday's game against Slovenia was one that I really had circled on my calendar. Um, obviously, Eurobasket, they're all big games. They're tournament games. But these two games against Sweden last week, we talked a little bit about it. It might have been garbled. Um, talked a little bit about it against Sweden on, on Thursday and then Sylvania on Sunday. These were the two most important warm-up games that they were going to play. These were FIBA World Cup qualifying games. So these games had actual stakes. It wasn't just a Super Cup tournament. It wasn't some random preseason trophy. These games had real stakes. And it was interesting, you know, I wasn't able to watch the game just because it's it's it, it's... Hard to find for free in, in a legal way, um, but uh, that that that's free to be perfectly honest. Um, but you look at the box score and you watch the highlights and you really see that 
Franz Wagner led the team in scoring with 16 points, but did so in a very Franz Wagner way. He did so by filling in gaps, by getting offensive rebounds, by kind of being available to score. And, and I, you know, from the tape that I've seen, I've been really impressed with Germany's ability to move the ball, uh, with their ability to just kind of grind out these wins. Um, Serbia is the only game that they've lost since they've come together. Uh, and, and they have found success when they're just moving the ball and keeping the ball hopping, getting into the paint and kicking out and just kind of keeping it going. And, and that was something I was afraid they weren't going to do because Dennis Schroeder doesn't have the greatest reputation. It's not just an NBA thing. With Germany, he would get these huge scoring numbers and carry his team, and they would ultimately lose. Um, you know, Germany Germany's having a little bit of a revival right now, um, thanks to Schroeder and certainly thanks to Franz Wagner. But they're still kind of reestablishing their identity as a team. And this Eurobasket, which they are hosting, at least part of, in their home country, this Eurobasket is about kind of restaking a claim to the national program. Their goal, and we'll talk about this more later in the week, their goal is to get out of group play. Their goal is to be to win a, to win a knockout game, get to the quarterfinals. I think that is ultimately what they want to be. They want to be the eighth best team uh, in Europe right now. And having a young guy like Franz Wagner is a big piece of that. And no one was really, honestly, I wasn't really sure how he would fit. His first game, he scored a ton of points, but also stood in the corner a lot too. This was a game where Wagner had kind of struggled. Um, you know, his shooting was okay. He only made two of his, I think, two of his six three-pointers. But he got a lot of work on the offensive glass. Five of his seven offensive rebounds were offensive rebounds. And that's where Germany really won this game. This was a gritty, gutty effort against Luka Doncic, who they really bottled up. He still got his numbers, but they bottled him up, forced him into mistakes. Yes, he turned his ankle and, and may have been dealing with a little bit of an injury. But Germany really made him work and made him struggle. And, and of course, Franz was a part of that. At the, at the end of the day, what I've seen from Franz Wagner in these games, in these exhibition games, is we now get ready for Eurobasket to begin on Thursday against France. That's Evan Fournier and Rudy Gobert both playing in this tournament. What I've been really impressed with Franz Wagner is that he's doing everything that he did with the Orlando Magic, but at a higher level. It has been so much better. And while, yes, I think a lot of Magic fans want to see him be more on the ball, be more aggressive, work more pick and rolls, which he has been doing some of, the biggest news and the best news for the Orlando Magic is he is finding ways to score in a new environment by simply doing the same things he did in Orlando. He may not be an all-star, he may not be a superstar, but he is going to be a very productive player because he will find ways to score even if you don't give him the ball to do so. And that part has remained very impressive. He has found his pockets, he's found his way, and he has found a way to contribute meaningfully in every single game that Germany has played. The one game that they've lost to Serbia, they didn't really have a point guard. They were completely outmuscled on the inside without Mo Wagner. They also uh, lost another center of theirs to injury. Without those two guys, they have really struggled. They're, they're going to have some struggles against bigger teams, um, which your basket can be pretty big um, and physical too. Um, but, you know, essentially, Serbia put put the lock on Franz, and that's why they lost that game. That's why they got blown out. Franz is still a really important piece, and as always, the ball is going to find him. The more it finds him, the better it is for the team. So, 
I think what we're seeing with Germany, with Franz Wagner, is sort of a supercharged version of what we see from Franz Wagner in Orlando. Now, whether that means Franz Wagner has reached another level, that might be something we learn a little bit more at Eurobasket. That's certainly something we will learn more about when he arrives in Orlando for training camp in the next couple weeks. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore md. Send complaints there. Send complaints to at omagic daily, at, to, to at omagic daily as well as omagicdaily at gmail.com. Um, if you have any comments or suggestions on how to make the podcast better, I am always all ears. I do listen to criticism. I accept. I try to accept constructive criticism. Don't be mean. Don't be at. Don't be at hominem. I'm trying here, um, but I appreciate everyone sticking with me, especially these last two episodes, which were not to par at all. You can of course subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already on Apple Podcasts. If you're tuned in, Himmel, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, everywhere you download podcasts, your podcast enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. We are coming up on the end of our shooting month project. We will be naming the 20 best shooters, three-point shooters, in Orlando Magic history coming up at this at some point this week. We're waiting on the last few blurbs to come in. We do have the final list. It is almost ready to publish. Very excited to share with you. We'll talk a little bit about it on this show as well. But now that you're done listening to us, be sure to check out the Locked on NBA podcast. They're still going strong five days a week, talking all things NBA, even here in the NBA desert. I want to hear if they talk about Bearded Porzingis, because Bearded Porzingis is magnificent. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic, we Magic. This has been Phil Cross from Ryder. We'll see you again next time for another episode. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.